What's going on, traders? I know that you guys just watched some great interviews, of course, on Benzinga Live, all about traders. Now we're going to get back to the headlines and, of course, get to the expert opinions to keep you in the informational edge. Today has been quite a day at the open there. We had some issues with the New York Stock Exchange. I'll talk about them by going through, of course, Dennis Dick. You guys know him, pre-market prep. He's been talking about it all morning. We'll get into that action. We'll look at the earnings reports that came out today. And of course, the stock market action right now, still holding on to that 400. Can we hold on? Find out all right here on Stock Market Movers. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, team, let's get into the action. Let's take a look at what's going on right now. The spy is battling, trying to get towards that 400. I'll tell you right now, it's not looking good, team. Right now, you're seeing the turnaround there from the 400. We've been trying. We've tried it multiple times. One, two, three, even four times on the five-minute, rejecting it again here, now starting to come down. We'll look to see, are we just seeing selling up here? Is this running towards the profits? All things that we need to keep in mind. Of course, we will see what happened there. And like always, team, hit the like. Let's get it started, right? All right, let's get into the action. Let's talk about what happened this morning. Of course, I don't know if you guys saw it this morning, but we got a lot of glitchy type of stocks from the open. Of course, New York Stock Exchange having some issues here. I'll go to Dennis Dick's uh, Twitter here. You guys can follow him. Give him a, a follow at Triple D Trader. I even reached out to trying to get him on. Uh, looks like around 145, I might be able to get him on. So I'll reach out to him on Twitter to talk a little bit more about it. But stocks affected, of course, right at the gates. There's plenty of stocks coming in here. Look at it. He had to go to the two pager. And as you can see, right out the gates, in summary, Many New York Stock Exchange opening orders incorrectly canceled at 9.30. He had some opening orders and they just got hit. Or they just got canceled down and he didn't even know what happened. He said he hasn't seen any trades busted as of yet, but there could be trades that get busted here. Look at this situation like it was in certain uh, different stocks. He kind of pointed it out and I think that's an important thing to kind of catch, right? Look at this situation here. SMG, we're talking about it here. And look at the price that goes through right at the open. It's trading at 64.50, 68.29s right there. You guys are seeing NASDAQ, NASDAQ. Then all of a sudden, 71.88. That's a bad price there. So you might see some trades busted on that one. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of situations going on right now. This is going to take some time really to kind of clear out. But it was such a crazy open there, seeing those stocks halt and not knowing really what was going on. Like always, you guys can keep up with Dennis Dick. Give him the follow, guys. Triple D Trader on Twitter. And 
it was a lot going on when that happened. I mean, some stocks opened up down, some stocks opened up uh, to the upside. It was just confusion. And one thing that I noticed is that I was looking and I saw some stocks move like 8%, 9%, really not halted material. And then I started realizing, oh, there's some bigger issues here to play. We caught this all on live trading. So if you guys haven't tuned in to live trading at all, well, you're missing out all the action, right? That's what it's all about on live trading. We give you guys the perspective, the progress, and of course, process approach and how we go into the markets. Today, we're seeing if we can get 400, it's going to be very important to close a multiple days above the 400. As you can see, multiple times that we've come up here, we can't close up here. We get up here and then we start turning around. We'll see what happens here as we keep the battle on for 400. The bulls still have control, but we'll look to see what happens if the bears can regain control on a downside action. All right. Uh, laugh out loud, rough fill. Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? If you were going for a buy and you got that fill, ooh, don't want to see that. But maybe you were shorting and you got that fill. Then you get a, a really nice win. Is that fair also? No. So I think we're going to have to find out if some of these trades get busted. Something to keep in mind. All right, let's get into the action. Let's go to some stocks. And of course, the crow, if you stick around on what was hot and what was not, I got no problem taking a look at GNS. We'll get into that action. I know that a lot of stocks are making big moves. And of course, these smaller stocks have a tendency to doing so. All right, let's talk about the overall market. Now, some comments that I did catch. Uh, this was from Cameron Dawson. Of course, Cameron Dawson has been on this show before and also takes part in pre-market prep. Cameron Dawson of New, uh, New Edge Wealth stated that we have to get through the most critical level of 4,100. Of course, she's referring to the S&P 500. We'll look to see if we get up there towards the 410s on the SPY right? That would clear through these levels. That's what she's pointing at. And the big thing there, she said this on closing bell overtime on Monday, is that because the 4,100 is the S&P's 565 day high. As you guys can see, I use the 50 day moving average. I don't use the 65, but that looks like she's been using that. We're going to see what happens there, uh, stating that we need to see a change in the fundamentals to really think that this rally will continue. So, of course, a lot of people are wondering, is this move bigger than what it's made out to be, right? Is this a new bull market cycle that we're seeing here? Of course, at least one thing to mention, all moving averages that I use right here, I use the 9 EMA, I use the 50, the 200, kind of just simple moving averages. You can see them all below and really starting to kind of go towards the upside. Uh, SMA 200 is still coming down some. That still hasn't really started to tick up. Once that starts to tick up, all these will start actually moving towards the upside. We'll see what happens there in the S&P 500 if we can actually hold some of this rally. Of course, let's get to some of the bigger stocks today. There's so many earnings to get through. I'm going to do my best to get through these. Of course, you guys know I cut the swing trade there in General Electric yesterday. Kind of happy, right? I mean, today I would have got pushed through my level, even though when I read the report, it doesn't sound so strong. So I think in the long run, we might, I might get back, back into General Electric. Let's talk about that Q4 EPS at $1.24, beat the $1.13 estimate sales at 21 
billion missed the 21.59 billion estimate. At GEC's 23 continuing EPS down at $1.60 on the low end to $2 on the high end versus the $2.37 estimate. Revenue growth high single digits. And in that case, it got the drop and then the lift and then the drop again. Now getting some of that lift just shows us the volatility that's in this market right now. I think in the long run, General Electric will come back down and make up some of these gains. But for right now, I'm not going to stand in front of that. I'll let it get a chance to come back there towards Wednesday, 18's high, 81.18. We'll see if it eventually does that or does it start to turn around. We'll see what happens there in General Electric. Going to Johnson & Johnson. Let's take a look there. J&J, right? You guys can see how this has continued down and the drug manufacturers have just continued to take a beating as of late. And that's okay because the growth stocks are making the lift, right? It seems like the rotation went from value back into growth. Will it go from growth back into value? Something to keep in mind, Johnson & Johnson adjusted EPS at $2.35, beat the $2.23 estimate. Sales of $23.7 Missed the $23.94 billion estimate. Johnson & Johnson sees fiscal year adjusted operational EPS to $10.40 on the low end, $10.60 on the high end. Operational sales at $96.9 billion to $97.9. As you guys see, Johnson & Johnson continuing down today. It did have that weird price here. I don't even know if it traded up here, right? I think a lot of these charts today could be broken. We don't really know. And I think that days like today, you know, I'm big on technicals, but when you have in that kind of volume that you don't really know if this traded up there or not, and some charting platforms are kind of messed up right now because what happened this morning in a New York Stock Exchange, we'll see if Johnson Johnson can make that move right back up there towards 172.57. In the pre-market, you had a high there of 172.84. We'll look to see if these can come back. Overall, I still like the drug manufacturers and biotech. I mean, I've been looking at IBB trying to set up, set up, set up, just kind of getting slowly, slowly. We'll see eventually if this can make a move. It's just been going sideways right now. And if you look at the XLV, you can see how we've been pulling back. Eventually, I think that we'll come in and find the buy the dippers in uh, the XLV and some of the value in healthcare. But right now, it's all about growth. All right, let's get out of Johnson & Johnson. In a second, we'll get towards our interview. I'm going to go ahead and bring in one more stock here to just bring in a different type of stock. Let's go to Picar. Um, definitely wanted to take a look at that. Uh, PCAR, you guys can see how this is getting the lift today. I think it's an important stock to catch because this is one stock that most don't even think about, right? In uh, this industry, farming heavy construction a lot of people think about what? They think about deer and cat, right? Well, a lot of the times I look at those to be the leader laggards trade, right? Deer has a tendency of leading, then cat follows. Then I look for Picard to kind of play catch up. This is one that we were looking at for a very long time before it even made this move up there past 100, then pulling back to see that 100 hold. Of course, earnings came in here, EPS at $2.64, beat the $2.21 estimate. Sales of $8.13 billion beat the $7.11 billion estimate. So almost a beat of by $1 billion there on the sales. I think that's going to help a stock like CAT. 
I think that's going to help a stock like Deer, right? You guys can see Deer bouncing back today, having a good day, bouncing back there towards 416. We'll see on Cat right now. You guys can see it up there to 257. I talked about it. This one's still remaining strong right now. And this was a big stock. I can remember watching this monthly and just being like, man, can we just get back through kind of the 240 area on the upside? Now we're through that 250. It's been a good couple of months for Caterpillar, Picard, and of course, Deer. We'll see what happens on these. Can they reload? Will Deer reload? Let's say maybe even here around the 400 and take the next round. We'll see what happens on these industrial plays. All right, getting out of Picard and Deer. We'll see what happens if we ever get that rotation back into some of these value names and industrials that we're keeping a close eye. We'll see what happens there. Let's go to our interview today. Excited to go ahead and talk with Chris Temple, editor and publisher of The National Investor. Let's get into it. All right, Chris, how are we doing today? It's good to have you on. Let's go ahead and get right towards the yeah. market. Crazy stuff this morning with the New York Stock Exchange, right? Well, it was. I didn't see all of it, Mitch, but you know, I saw somebody tweet about Newmont, and then I saw a note about Verizon that had supposedly good numbers this morning, but they gapped down early on. And yeah. I don't know if it was fat finger traders or somebody's uh, computer algorithms didn't have a, enough coffee this morning when they woke up, or what the hell happened? Yeah, I, I knew I shouldn't have left that elbow on the keys, but you know, it sometimes <laughs> happens, Chris, but let's get into the action. A lot of what you looked into 2022 kind of came through to fruition. Let's talk about your 2023 outlook. What are you seeing? I believe we are still in a secular bear market. Uh, we have not seen the final lows for the stock market by any stretch. Although fairly, if you go back to what the lows were last fall, you know, we, we may go down a fair bit more, but I don't think that we're going to double what they were anything. You know, my, my working number, if you factor in a mild recession sometime in the next couple of years, if you factor in the Fed sticking to its word that it's going to raise rates a couple or three more times and keep them there for some time, you look at the trajectory of corporate earnings uh, downgrades and so forth. My working number is 2,800 to 3,000 on the S&P 500 will be the final low. Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people are just coming in with this kind of newfound, I'll say hopium, but I mean, I, I don't mean to put it like that, but it seems like from January effect, people are thinking like we just changed everything. It really you, not much has changed, right? No. If, if, you, if you fell asleep a few months back and all of a sudden you woke up today uh, and had no idea what caused the market to rally to the point where, as you said before I came on, the mm -hmm. bulls were trying like heck to break that year-long downtrend line in the S&P, you yeah. would think that the Fed had already wet itself and that everybody has already started cutting interest rates, that the Fed has stopped unrolling its balance sheet and so forth. None of that has happened. So a lot has been said, uh, of course, about how seldom have you seen the markets and the Fed so at odds with one another. Uh, mm -hmm. The markets clearly do not believe the Fed is going to follow through with what it said. And look, it's not like there's no foundation to be skeptical. 
what yeah. they didn't tell us a year ago where, where we were going. You know, Jerome Powell for so many months was an arsonist and told us that inflation was transitory. Don't worry about it. Well, now he's a fireman. Uh, and hopefully he doesn't do more, more damage on the downside trying to get inflation under control than he did in allowing it to get out of hand in the first place. So, you know, look, if, if some something bad happens someplace, uh, China is trying not to implode. That's why they've reopened COVID or not, because people aren't paying their bills in that country. They don't want a credit crisis. You've had hiccups lately in the Japanese bond market, which corroded last week, the Bank of Japan governor, postponed some of the problems I think they're still going to reckon with. Europe's banking system is a basket case. Their economy is a basket case. Thankfully for everybody, it warmed up over there this winter. And so energy has not been as big a killer for the European economies it could have been. But, you know, barring one of these potential financial accidents from happening, if they don't, the Fed is going to take interest rates up more. Corporate earnings are going to slow down and we're going to have a slow, dull ache. I called it, you know, a year ago, the great stagflation. You know, we probably have seen the peak in the month over month inflation rates for a while, but neither are we going to go back down to two or three percent anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's where it gets a little bit scary. Right. I, I know that I've heard it from tons of economists that say that, yeah, it might be simple to go from, you know, eight, nine down to six. But as we get closer and closer to that 2%, it's going to be harder to get it down, right? And they're not I, I going to be having that effect. Possible. I think yeah. it's impossible. People need to realize that we have things going on today, Mitch, that the average investor listening to us today has never contemplated, has never dealt with in their entire investing life. Two things. One is the great stagflation where the price levels of a lot of things are elevated to stay. A lot of the reason for that is that, especially when you look at commodities, you look at energy, you look at a lot of these things out there, that yes, their price increases in the recent past were made worse because of supply chain disruptions and so forth. But well before all of that, well before COVID, you had many, many years of underinvestment, underdevelopment of things. This, this world is growing. Yeah all the time. The demand for energy is growing all the time and there ain't enough of it out there. So this is the thing I think a lot of people still poo-pooing what is finally, after years of false starts, the beginning of a long secular upward move in commodity prices. It's yeah. not so much because economic growth is going to be that great. It's because there's not enough of all these things out there. And so that alone is going to keep the constant level of inflation much higher than we've been used to and complicating that as well. Is yeah, I think, I think yeah, when everyone, well, I think everyone keeps looking at energy prices and even just looking at the energy stocks and yeah, there has been tons of bears that have been saying that this is going to break, but I mean, they're still counting the days, right? It seems like energy just doesn't want to go away. And then when you look at what the banks are saying, they expect oil back at over a hundred, right? I mean, Oh, yeah. we we'll have to wait to see if we get right back towards 100 but it's been tough and i don't think that the demand is going down right demand is going up supply is not really increasing as fast as needed yeah the us is trying to you know bring some refineries back and venezuela kind of talk but that's all going to take years to really show up in the market and i think that these are all types of things that 
yeah, we still have the Russian situation with Ukraine. And we don't know really what's going to happen with China. If for any reason that, you know, tensions would get stronger with Taiwan, well, then what would that do to also energy prices? It'd spike them right back up, right? And besides the underdevelopment, that's the second thing that people need to understand today, Mitch. And that's it's good that you point that kind of a thing out because the average person alive today, investor, consumer, whatever, has never known a world that did not revolve around the United States of America being the be all and end all around this country, calling all the shots, getting its way the majority of the time. We are moving toward a multipolar world. And a lot of what has gone on with this proxy war against Russia that we got ourselves into has greatly accelerated that. Now, some of the same people that caused that, they're spoiling for a war with China. Uh, not, not a shooting war, per se. Nobody wants to see China go into Taiwan. But this is an economic war uh, where China has been for all of its own problems, and it's got a lot more than its share. You know, there's nobody when you add up public and private debt with a bigger debt to GDP ratio on this planet than China. The average person doesn't realize that. Uh, But if they can manage to keep all the balls in the air, they see themselves, you know, decades down the road as a great empire again. And they don't care how they get there. They're willing to play this big cat and mouse game. And frankly, in some ways, be smarter about it than what we are, where policy decisions are made, you know, looking five minutes ahead, not five decades ahead. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people think about that when they saw the take the tech takedown that's happened in China, right? I mean, was that a planned approach? And it certainly seems like it. Um, now, of course, let's talk a little bit about what's coming next week, right? We'll get another FOMC meeting next week. What do you expect? Do you see by any chance maybe the 50 basis points still being in play? I think it is still in play. And frankly, it's in play because the markets have rallied more than the Fed wants them to rally. If you look at the measures out there of credit conditions for all of the Fed tightening over the last year, Mitch, credit conditions are not much worse today than they were then. Yes, rates are higher for more primarily mortgages. They haven't changed a whole heck of a lot for most car loans and credit cards and stuff. They were already higher than mortgage rates are. And there's lots of credit out there still if you're willing and able to pay up for it. So look, the Fed is serious that, and they're wrongheaded in the way they come about this, which is a whole different discussion we only have time for today. And that's Mm -hmm. the Fed as an institution and our monetary system is institutionally. But they're of a mind that in order to get the inflation back down that they were the biggest proximate cause of, they need to reduce consumption. You hear it over and over again, reduce demand, reduce demand, reduce demand. How do you do that? You cause a recession. You, you take the stock market down another 20 points or so on the S&P. You, you, you get rid of some more air in real estate so people can't use their homes as an ATM machine quite as much. That's how mm-hmm. they want to do this. Now, again, it's wrong-headed institutionally that that's the, the Hobson's choice that we've been given, but that's how they're operating. So the Fed cannot be happy that the market is thumbing their nose at them. They're not taking them seriously. And again, you can't fault the markets completely for that. But I, but I think that if if the correction that started last week had continued and the markets were looking at punk earnings coming out and downgrades for the year and sold off some more, they wouldn't worry so much. But frankly, these bulls trying to 
you know, the, the hopium, the Pollyannas, whatever you want to call it, they, they, they have kept 50 basis points on the table still. So I think it's a coin toss whether they do 25 or 50 personally. It's something to keep in mind, right? And I think it would be a surprise to the market right now that's more calculating in a quarter point. Uh, so that definitely is something to look out. And I know that we get a PCE reading on the 27th. Definitely something to keep in mind, team. We'll see what happens if we see the same thing showing up in the PCE that we've been seeing in the CPI, of course. Uh, I don't think you're in the camp of potential soft landing, but could you see it? Any kind of path there, Chris? It's possible because keep in mind, Mitch, that until we got to this place where Jerome Powell and company decided that they needed to shift from arsonist to fireman, the Fed created 30% of all the U.S. dollars ever in existence in the history of this country in about two years. So they front loaded the hell out of everything, the That's... credit markets, the real estate, you name it. So there's still some wiggle room out there for them to make some mistakes and barring something systemically breaking in the markets, they can keep the, you know, putting this pressure on for a while. It doesn't have to be a hard landing necessarily. I think a hard landing would come if we get a financial accident someplace, but the economy, generally speaking, I think can tolerate these higher interest rates for quite a while and maybe just be in a mild recession. So. So I don't necessarily think that we're going to, you know, that we have to see that. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Chris. I know that you called him kind of the fireman or the arson. You know what I call him? I call him the big bad wolf uh, <laughs> because I feel like he just comes on the economy doors and he starts knocking. He's yeah. like, is this paper? You know, is this, you know, brick house? Well, it seems mm -hmm. like he's been blowing on the brick house for long and it's held up, right? But well, will he eventually blow these houses down and then it, and then it's too late right once you break the house it's, it's certainly hard to stop it i don't know if you saw the cartoon i sent to zoltan earlier today but a fire marshal <laughs> jay you remember fire marshal bill from in living color the tv show that's i yeah. had my cartoonist stu paulus fire marshal jay he says let me tell you something and and not only is he putting out a fire he's taking down the economy the stock market real estate yeah and so forth. So look, they, they are clearly capable of overdoing things. The Fed pulling off a soft landing is something that you know, history has not seen very much of. Yeah. They overdo it one way or the other. But you know, I don't want to be all doom and gloom either, because again, there's still a lot of liquidity out there. And if you go back, and granted, we're starting from different valuations today as opposed to back then. When inflation accelerated anew after the bear market in 73 and 74, the stock market more than doubled. At the same time, commodities all went up way more than that because the dollar was cheap and there was so much liquidity out there back then. So it, it's not automatic that you have to have a crash. It's not automatic that you have to have a hard landing. I have been telling people for a while and so far I've been correct since the secular bear market started that even though early on people just sell everything because they, they're kind of shell-shocked or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Gee, I mean, the Fed doesn't have our back anymore. Get me out of here, you know? And then the dust settles and they get their wits back about them and say, okay, well, what's out there that makes sense? What's got pricing power? And they start to look at energy. They start to look at this new FANG steam that I've been flapping my gums about for over a year now. Uh, the old fangs are pretty, you know, they're utilities now. Mm -hmm. They're glorified utilities. Great companies, all of them. 
but they're glorified utilities. They're days of you know breakneck growth they're over with. Now you got to look at what's cheap, what's necessary, what's in short supply. And the new fangs, therefore, are fuel, agriculture, aerospace and defense, nuclear power, and gold and other minerals. Uh, all of them, not enough production for what the world needs going forward. All things to keep in mind. And I think it's very important to kind of think about you know, what are the themes moving forward, right? We've talked about multiple themes in this conversation and deglobalization, how that's going to affect the materials. Of course, if we're not going to be wanting to, you know, go to China for the materials or go to different countries, of course, and we want to make things here. Well, yeah, that's going to all bring up the cost of these commodities, right? For all some, things to kind of keep yeah. in mind. Yeah, for some. There, there's so many things that are intersecting right now, Mitch. It's really fascinating because, and again, I, I try at least somewhat to look at the positive aspects of this. You know, this country through the Fed and through our elected officials pretty much blew eight or nine trillion dollars when you go back to the beginning of the pandemic with nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. Just giving everybody money to stay home, play on their computer, you know, follow ch chat rooms on Reddit. Uh, and all the other stuff that they did. Next time, and it's there's going to be a next time, that government has to figure out what next they're going to do to try and stimulate the economy, keep us from the deflate, you know, circling, circling that deflationary toilet bowl to, to oblivion. You're going to see a lot more serious action on infrastructure, on things to build up green energy, on things to be more efficient with our existing energy. You're gonna have better paying jobs and so forth. I, I think that there's, if, if the policymakers get their act together on all of this energy stuff, we, we've got glory years ahead of us potentially of great jobs, great new industries rivaling the industrial revolution over a century ago. So yes, those are themes that I'm excited as heck about, you know, the, the lithium, uh, stocks, the nuclear energy industry, even conventional energy. Look at what just happened at the COP27 meeting in the Middle East. There was a major wake-up call with all of these global do-gooders that all of a sudden finally got it through their head that we're not going to solve all of this by solar and, and wind power and, and fairy dust. Um, yeah. we, we need to have engineering. We need to have real assets, real commodities, real planning this and it's not perfect yet but we're going in the right direction and for a lot of these industries you're going to see growth like you've not seen it before well i think that you might be in kind of the way that i've been looking at the markets often is uh going by a quote right now that we might have to go through some short-term pain for the long-term gain and it seems like very true there's a lot out there right now that yeah it might look like short-term pain right now but could be some long-term gain there waiting for us. So we'll appreciate you coming on today, Chris Temple. I want you guys to go ahead and check out the National Investor. Tell us a little bit more. What does the National Investor do for all well, kind of our retail traders out there? You know, my motto, Mitch, is you can get information anywhere, but here you get knowledge. So mm -hmm. I give people a working understanding that the average person can get their head around of what's going on in the world, why it's happening, why the markets are doing what they're doing. So I give people a macro view of things that is, you know, over time been, I think I've been pretty accurate more often than not. And then I give people ideas of what to do specifically with their investments, what, what sectors, how much to have in stocks or not, as the case may be, commodities. And I love to look for good startup stocks 
good companies, especially with these themes I'm hot about before yeah. the crowd finds them, you know, yes. Love find it. the next Piedmont lithium, for example, yeah. in that space. Yeah. You know? yeah I remember, uh, I remember, uh, come on, uh, Dennis Dick, uh, our pre-market prep uh, yeah. host, uh, PLL when it was going through 30, I remember that I called it there on the thirties. It was on this pattern here, down here in that. And it did that nice little breakout from thirties and continued. I love the lithium names. And I think in the long run, we need to find ways to get in some exposure to lithium, whether it be to, you know, an ETF, you know, there's the global lit. Maybe if you want to go after it, right. A lot of themes that we need to be thinking about. Appreciate you coming and bringing these on nationalinvestor.com. You guys check it out. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. All right, Mitch. Good to see you, buddy. Take care. Have a good one. That was a great conversation there with Chris. I definitely enjoyed it. We talked a lot of different areas, and I think that we need to keep these all in perspective, right? January effect has brought us some lift. I definitely see it, right? Price action doesn't lie, but there's still the headwinds out there. And I feel like a lot of this market is fighting the Fed. The number one quote that I think is kind of easy, right? Just don't fight the Fed. Well, it seems like that's what the market is doing right now. And how long will this last? I think that's what we need to kind of be thinking about. We'll see what happens. Of course, markets right now still battling that 400. Pulled back 399.44. Now back above the 400, 444. We'll see. Can we keep going? Day close is really going to matter here. Let's get back to the action. Let's go to what was hot and what was not. If there's any earnings report that you guys want to dive into today and get a little bit deeper, let me know in the chat. If not, I'm going to go into what was hot and what was not today, and we'll continue going. We'll try to look at what are the biggest movers, as this is what this show is all about, stock market movers. Where are the movers? Let's take a look. All right, let's get into the action you guys can do here. I always try to look from the open because that's what I care about often is paying attention from the open. How did we trade, right? Well, industrials actually led from the open here. And that's why I started bringing up GE in the early time, right? And that's why it was coming back. But really, CAT, Picard, look at CAT continuing here. Look at Deer making its way back, right? Looking at Picard. For that to continue going. These were all stocks that we talked about on pre-market prep. If you're not watching pre-market prep, definitely missing out. But we'll see if these stocks can continue, right? Picard had decent earnings. Can they keep pushing the industrials higher? We'll have to keep watch. Also, there was different stocks that reported today, right? RTX. RTX reported today also. I'll just give you guys kind of the rundown there. They beat on EPS. They missed on sales. And then when they gave their uh, fiscal year 23 EPS guidance, it was slightly above on the high end, lower than their estimate there on the low end. But like always, putting it kind of in between there. And one thing that they did say, though, is that they have plans to implement a reorganization during the second half of 2023. All right. So that's RTX. You also had LMT Lockheed Martin report today. Lockheed Martin gave you a beat and a beat on EPS and sales. Uh, their fiscal year EPS guidance there below the estimate and net sales guidance uh, just slightly uh, above and below. 
65 billion to 66 billion versus the 65.74 billion estimate. We'll see what happens here in Lockheed. Can they start making their way back up? It did come back right to the 200 day. So I think this could get a bounce eventually, maybe coming back here towards 455s. But I don't know if it's going to be able to make its way back all the way to 490s. Something to keep in mind, right? We'll see what happens there. And of course, you can see uh, farm and heavy construction kind of leading the way. We've been talking about this industry for a long time, team, since we've been seeing DE and CAT running. And they continued to run. We'll see what happens to these names if they can keep pushing. Financial services coming back today. Let's take a look at some of these. You guys know two of my favorite names in the financial services has been Visa and MasterCard. Let's go first to those two. Then we'll take a look at some of the bigger names, right? So Visa here, you guys can see uh, daily chart trying to continue, right? I'm going to go to showing my lines that we've drawn here. We saw this kind of trend hold. It got back above the 220s. Eventually, this could pull back. Doesn't necessarily mean we have to go to 240 in a fast manner. One of the things about Visa is that it doesn't move too much, right? Like even in a year, it can move like maybe 20 or 30 points. So we'll see if this can make it to the next level and continue pushing. MasterCard, another one that you can watch in this. Very similar stocks. Gave you that breakout. Pulled back. Now holding that breakout. We'll look to see if it can continue running on these names. JP Morgan. Bouncing back here as it pulled back there. Let's take a look at Goldman Sachs. Is this starting to come back a little bit? You guys can see it's starting to hold the daily support, right? Right around the 340s. We'll look to see if it comes back up through 350s, starting to come back towards the 370s. How's Morgan Stanley doing? Hanging in there. Let's go to the hourly chart. You guys can see how Morgan Stanley pulled back, starting to make its way back. We'll look to see if it actually gets lift. All right, taking a look at some of these names. We'll see what happens if they can keep pushing. Let's take a look at um, Bank of America right quick. You saw Bank of America starting to make its way back. This one actually looks interesting. If we can actually close above 35, this won't be looking too bad to make its way back, let's say, towards resistance. First stop around 3650s, and then maybe we can start working our way back here towards the 38s. We'll see what happens there and Bank of America. Keep going. Consumer cyclical. Let's go to the high beta names. Residential construction. Having a good day today. Let's go towards what did the best from the open. It's footwear and accessories. What is doing well here? Let's take a look. Let's see what is up from the open. Actually, Nike. Nike came down. It looks like it was part of those uh, New York Stock Exchange stocks that went down but didn't really go down. You can see here. There's a wick down there to 117.98. That's why it's going to get confusing today when we're looking even at scanners. A lot kind of changed with that New York Stock Exchange error there on the servers. Um, but let me just give one second. What I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly play a Benzinga Pro a trailer. I will be right back. I'm going to see if Dennis Dick can join us to tell us a little bit about what he saw there at the market open and how just crazy that New York Stock Exchange error was this morning. We'll talk about it. We'll be right back here, team. Smash the like, let's keep it going. Introducing portfolio synchronization with your brokerage. Now you can securely connect your brokerage account to Benzinga Pro, opening a world of personalization. Screen lightning fast news just for the stocks you own. Set alerts for news catalysts that affect only the companies you care about. It's all possible with a simple click and a secure protective connection. Overcome uncertainty and connect your portfolio to Benzinga Pro today. 
All right, team, back to what was hot and what was not. Let's keep going. We'll take a look out of the consumer cyclical area. Of course, you got to be careful there. Uh, there's a lot of different types of stocks there. Some kind of continue leading, especially like leisure stocks. We've been seeing Carnival Cruise Line getting the bounce back, right? Look at a daily chart on this. This came from $8, team, all the way back to 11 So when this stock went back down through that pandemic low, the $8, then came back above to 11, right back down there towards those pandemic levels. This gave us an amazing opportunity to get back in on this name towards that eight and right back up there towards 11. This run from the beginning of the year is about a 37, 40% move. Not looking too bad right now. Let's go to the airlines. How's that doing today? You guys can see it's holding the gap right now. It doesn't even want to come back into this gap zone. Been looking to get American Airlines if it could fill this, but it doesn't even want to come back, right? It pulls back and bounces right off of these levels. We'll look eventually if this can start making its way up. UAL is also one that I'm keeping a close eye. Their earnings were really great. And I think this will continue to run. It did fill the gap a little bit and then, I just did it in one day. So we'll look to see what happens here in UAL. DAL also, look how it's continuing to hold there. These airlines have been really strong this year. All right, let's keep going. Uh, energy stocks in the green still from the open. Let's go to XOM, see how that's doing. On the day, it's still battling. I want to see if we can get back above the 114.58s. That would get us through kind of the 52-week high, 114.59, right? Last Yesterday, we went right towards that level, rejected there. We'll look to see if we get through it today, XOM. And for that being mentioned, if you do see that move, I'd be looking for some of these oil stocks to start getting back up there. We'll look to see if we can make a move up, especially if XOM can kind of lead there. Uh, Chevron's another one you guys can watch. We'll look to see if that one makes a move back towards 181, making its move towards 182 would be looking good on the daily so that we can make our way back towards 189 highs. As you can see, Chevron's not really close to that 52-week high compared to like an XOM that's right off of there. So if that can lead us through that high, I might look for a laggard-style trade on Chevron where I'm, I'm going for it because I'm seeing the leader take the, take the push through that 52-week high. We'll see what happens. Another thing that on Chevron we can do is it at least has a nice bottom trend line support that we can go off of and kind of hold towards that. We'll see what happens there in Chevron if we're able to make the trade. All right, catching up with the chat. A lot going on out there. I see Jay the Crow talking out there. If you guys want to put up a stock, now's your chance, team. In a second, we'll be taking stocks from the chat. And then we'll go back into some headlines. There's still a lot to talk about. And we'll see if Dennis is able to join us. All right, let me just make sure. No text messages there. Just trying to see what's going on there. But uh, basic materials, not doing bad today. We've talked about aluminum having a decent day yesterday. Another decent day today. CENX is one that I like to look at here. And I think this is one that definitely we should watch, right? At least I do see kind of an inverse head and shoulders pattern here. And this is the neckline, right? So the, my biggest thing with a head and shoulders pattern that I feel like I run into problems a lot of the times with is where do I draw this, the neckline? This is so important, right? Because if it's not symmetrical on the neckline, that's where I find it hard to really kind of take trades based off an inverse head and shoulders, right? 
But here, it looks clear as day for me, right? You guys can see the left shoulder area right here, right? We can see that we have the head right here. And you can see the left, the right shoulder right here. And it's very symmetrical. That's very important to be seeing. So to me, this looks like a good pattern there for aluminum. And it can also give me insight into another one like AA, right? Doesn't have the same pattern there, but similar, right? Similar patterns. I wouldn't necessarily call it there on, on this one, inverse head and shoulders. Why? Because it does look like an inverse head and shoulders. You still have that left shoulder. You still have that right shoulder, right? But is the, is the neckline as clean? The neckline isn't as clean for me here. And if you are drawing it, where are you drawing it? Right around here maybe? And then so that's my biggest thing is that it, it doesn't sometimes act as clean. Like you see it on the last couple of days, you get a cut down through an Alcoa and then a recovery. That's the hardest part I find with the inverse head and shoulders pattern. All right, that's going to do it with uh, these. I will go ahead and take some stocks from you guys. I do want to let you guys know that what wasn't hot today, I do have some communication services down today. But if you look at it, it's just confusing because it's all about the Verizon and what happened with that downturn. So I don't know to trust this right now. Healthcare is pulling back there. Drug and major manufacturers continue to pull back. Merck, Johnson & Johnson, Bristol-Myers, Pfizer, continue to pull back. We'll look to see if these are able to bounce back towards the end of the day and actually turn things around. All right, taking stocks from you guys now. I do see a lot of stocks thrown up in the chat. Smash the like. Let's keep it going. All right, let's take some stocks there. Let's go to GNS. All right, I know a lot of people have been talking about this one. We had the interview on, and this is starting to turn around, and I think it's an important level to watch is I'll show you guys right now on the hourly I like looking at hourly charts often, right? So what did we get, really? We got one pattern, two patterns, and this is the third pattern. A lot of the times when we get that third pattern, I don't expect to see too much continuation through the high. But that's just myself. Why? I do that based on Dow theory, right? Looking into more of the fibs, the, the extensions above, right? Is this the, is this the one and then you get the kind of the two, the pullback three, nice expansion back up. And a lot of times we'll get this pullback and look to try to get that fifth move. But if you can't get that move back up there, well, a lot of the times you're going to start seeing a little bit of a pullback. Does it mean that this pattern is completely broken? No, but in the short term, it seems like it's pulling back here right towards the hourly support around 1440s. I definitely wouldn't want to see $4 break here. And if you look at it, this one has been making moves back to old prior resistance and then bouncing off of it. $4 this morning was a nice entry. Went to 404. So my, you might have gotten a little bit higher than that. Doesn't look too bad right now. Just need to keep watch on what happens on that hourly. And this is why even on these smaller names, a $5 stock, I'll go ahead and I'll take a look at it on the hourly chart versus looking at it too much on that one minute and then trying to jump on every type of spike or every type of crash that you see in the stock. All right, that's going to do it for me on GNS. And if you guys want to keep up on stocks like GNS, I will tell you guys, live trading is the place that you guys want to be. 9.05 a.m. Eastern to about 11 a.m. Eastern. We trade daily. Check us out, team, right here on Benzinga. 
All right, EMR Industrials. Let's go towards that one, Steve. Why? I got you. EMR. Let's go. Uh, Emerson Electric, Diversified Industrials. Let's go first towards a weekly outlook, right? And so the weekly outlook first, if I didn't have this side, right? If I just had this, right? What would I think? Okay, let's go to the monthly. Let's see how that would look there. So that would include, of course, this action. Now this looks more like what? Okay, we got a bullish pattern, right? We're going to do the trend line here. We'll look to see if we get back above that 89. Now let's see how we've been really kind of trading. This is what I like to do sometimes, team. Just pull it back, see how you see it, and then start working your way towards the present to see where the stock action is going. And so you can see how you pulled back to this monthly uh, retracement on the trend line. As long as we can hold this, we're looking good on this pattern. I don't think this is looking bad at all, especially on a monthly pattern, right? And so now you go into the weekly and you can see how we've slightly undercut it. That's where it gets a little bit dangerous. That's where you got to start thinking, okay, so am I going to just hold to last week's low? Last week's low being specifically here 86.62. Am I going to hold to that and be my out to the upside and give it the chance to come right back? That, those are the things that you need to start thinking about, right? If it does get back there towards 100, we'll look to see if it takes it out this time because you did get that kind of up move where you were trying to build to it and then you failed on that fourth attempt trying to break out above the 100. We'll look to see if this can recover. It doesn't look bad. It pulled back today and starting to make its way back. You definitely don't want this 86.67 area to start breaking down. If that breaks, well, then you can start pulling back here towards the 80 and the 75. We'll see what happens there. And EMR. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Apple cup, nice cup and handle the last two days. Let's go to that chart. It's an important one, right, for the overall market. I wouldn't necessarily call this a cup and handle. Um, maybe if you're looking at it on an hourly, let's go to the hourly, see if we see it there. Eh, on the hourly, it looks a little bit closer like a cup and handle. I would say there you get a little bit of a handle action. Let me take off my lines here just to kind of draw it up there. But you can see this little pullback here. You can say this is your cup action and this is your handle here. On the daily, you can't see it as much, but I, I give it to you on the hourly. It doesn't look that bad off of that. And one of the things that you can tell is you want to see kind of like the resistance over here from this kind of cup action. It pull right back to that and then give you a nice support level to go off of. Right around the 135, it held that pullback and gave you that nice ramp up. Doesn't look bad at all. Apple's starting to come back here. And what is it doing? It's coming back through the major line, not just cracking right back below that 140 and starting to hold here. If this can keep holding, maybe you can make that 150 run, right? What if Apple has good earnings coming up? Something to keep in mind. You know, I'm not going to bet against Apple all the time. And especially once it's up here above that 140, it gets dangerous. When it gets back towards 135, I'll look at this if it wants to break down towards 126. But right now, not stepping in front of Apple, even though I made some profit on an Apple short today, even though it's in the green, right? On these downside action moves, I was able to uh, take a good trade on Apple, stopped out of the rest. But like always, team, day trades, swing trades, and investor hats are way different. So be careful out there. All right, let's see what else is going on. I, I'm glad you enjoyed that uh, conversation. That's what it's all about. I'm here for you guys to show you guys what I see. 
like always. You guys might not see exactly what I see, and you guys make your investment decisions. The only thing I can do is tell you from my experience, from my learning, right? And of course, just to kind of do a little bit of a pitch here, check out the book club, right? If you want to keep expanding on the knowledge, right now we're deep into trading in the zone. We're about to get to the second and third chapter. First chapter was only about like four or five pages. So if you want to join us, don't miss it, team. That's going to be this Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern as we go ahead and try to do one in the morning. I've done one in the afternoon, so I want to kind of change it up. We'll give you guys the link if you guys haven't joined there. Uh, but just trying to keep growing, of course, the book club. I, I have a lot of members already in, but I want you guys to keep growing and giving back the value. This is my number one way to go ahead and try to help you guys keep building on your skill. All right, let's get back to the market action. Let's go to the SPY today. You guys can see now we're up there. 497 trying to get through the 401s this looks good right now for the bulls the bulls are just trying to close above 400 another day above 400 and things are going to be looking better of course i will still be in kind of the same camp until we get back above the 410 410 could also act as resistance next thing you know we're right back down so we'll see what happens right now things are looking good out there industrial still leading Financial services coming back. We'll see if that can keep pushing. And of course, consumer cyclical. We'll look to, for that to have a good day. Tesla is still in the red. Let's look to see if it can get back into the green by the end of the day. Looks like it's holding on hourly charts. You can see how the hourly support is working well here. If you only had yesterday's support, right? 141.33. That's where I'd be putting the line. And then you look to the right on the on the pre-market action. Seems like that 141 area seems to be holding a little bit better. We'll look to see if this can come right back up through the resistance. Resistance is going to be closer towards the 146 area. We'll look to see if we get that push right back up. All right, catching up out there. What's up, Jay? How we doing? My favorite chart candle, the Phil T gap. <laughs> Phil D gap, you know, the Phil D gap. <laughs> Awesome content there. Do it yourself, girl. What's up? How we doing out there? I hope you enjoy it. Money Mitch on Benzinga and all the channels here for you. If you have something you want to talk about, always reach out. We'll definitely cover it. 157 in a few minutes. We'll be wrapping up here. Just want to check right now to see if you guys have some roadmap action coming up next. So uh, definitely we'll be taking a look like it looks uh, how much. How what price will the sewer passes hit after Dookie Dash is, op is over? Man, the NFT game. I don't understand that NFT game that much, man. I need to get back on it. The Basie, Dookie Dash, NFT market updates. You guys will see that on the roadmap coming up next. Uh, let me make sure we get that uh, redirect set up there. Have that ready to go. But yeah, the server madness today definitely shook things up, team. We'll see what happens to, a little bit later in the market. I definitely want to find out from Dennis like what, what kind of implications we can have moving forward from this. But it's been a crazy day. We've actually held on for the bulls. So we'll see what happens tonight. Tonight, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. That's what we're going to be watching for. If Microsoft does good, we could be back here tomorrow, 404, 405, 410 even in reach. Well, if Microsoft comes in, 
hits us hard on the downside action. Of course, one of the leading stocks in the S&P 500 could take us right back down. That's why you don't want to miss the earnings call tonight, 5.30, right here on Benzinga. We'll have it for you guys. Smash the like. That's going to do it for me today. We'll see if these stocks can keep pushing on the day. BTU mentioned in the chat. I'll take a little peek for you. You guys know how I like my BTU. Let's go to the weekly. I uh, really need to get back above the 30s. That's the big thing for BTU. It battled when it got into that 30s and couldn't really hold on. You can see on the weekly, you still kind of have this trend line kind of holding here. That doesn't look too bad. The only thing is you need to do a ramp up back through 30 for Peabody. We'll see what happens there. AMR is another coal play that I will give you, Steve, to look at. That if you like coal, take a look at AMR. It's actually a cleaner chart. You can see it here on the weekly. This actually looks really good. We'll look to see if this one can take off to the next level. Look at the daily chart, kind of holding. It's just recently ramped right back up. We'll see what happens in these coal plays. All right, that's going to do it for me. Jay said, I'll be in the gym. You get that lift, baby. Get those guns. All right, that's going to do it for me. Team, like always, smash the like. I'll see you guys a little bit later on At The Close with Joel Alconin as we get into the market open. I know Joel will probably be in that bullish tune, especially if we can close above that 400. We'll wait and see. At The Close starts at 3.30. Roadmap on next. And always, smash the like on your way out.